And now it's time for Back to the Futures on the BetQL Network with Lucy Burge and Brandon Sprague. Welcome into Back to the Futures here on Odyssey and the BetQL Network. I'm Lucy Burge. Brandon Sprague is out this week, but in his place, we have Alex Gold, who I am very excited to have alongside tonight. And we have a lot to get into here in the next hour. So buckle up for that. But first, Alex, happy to have you here. How was your weekend? Yeah, it's great to be on the show. I'm glad I have a chance to, to fill in and hang out with you guys for the next hour or so here on BetQL. I know it's been a, it's been a good weekend. Uh, here locally, I, I think I, I last night I saw on Twitter you were tweeting about, or at least maybe liked the tweet or whatever, went and saw John Mulaney on Saturday. Yes. Hilarious. And if anybody hasn't uh, gone to any of his new shows on his tour, he is terrific. Uh, it's one of the, it's the first show I've been to, though, where it's a phone-free show, which I know a lot of com- comedians do that. But that was the first time I've been to one where uh, you had to put your phone away and they lock it in this little pouch. That was a new experience, but you know what? It actually was kind of nice. Nobody was on their phones. Nobody was on their watches, and it would, everybody was just sitting back and enjoying it. So, no, it's been a good weekend, and uh, training camp also right around the corner here in Kansas City, so people are excited for that. That is a solid weekend. So I saw John Mulaney, big John Mulaney fan. I'm sure you are as well as you went to see him, but I saw him in March. My brother and I went, I, my brother got me tickets for Christmas, I think because he wanted to go. So he thought, <laughs> okay, let's, yeah. but I also wanted to go and I thought it was fantastic, but it was the put your phone away situation that I had also never experienced before. And you put your phone away and it's locked. And the whole time, you don't know what time it is. That was yes. my biggest thing yes. is to not know. I wasn't wearing a watch or anything. And it's like, I don't know what time it is right now. And it kind of also in like in the food lines and stuff inside the theater, when you go in, it kind of bonded people because everybody was like, nobody else had really done this before either. So people were kind of like, oh, do you know what time it is? Or like, dude, this is weird, huh? So it kind of like brought people together and started conversations before the show started. That was a very interesting experience. But that show, what he does, he takes very serious situations and makes it hilarious with his experience in rehab and, and all of that stuff. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it was a little problematic. I don't know if you ran into this. So, of course, the show ends and everybody has to go and grab their their pouch. It took about 20 minutes, if not more, to actually get out of the, uh, the theater. Again, this is first world problems. I understand that. But still, there was only four ways out of the building in the line. That was the only down. So they got to find a way uh, if we're going to have more shows like that where your phone is locked up in a pouch. We got to find better ways for everybody to actually get their phone. Some people just darted past the gate. And on, on Twitter, we're tweeting out, they just ripped their pouch open in their car, <gasps> which obviously you're not supposed to do that because – uh, one, you you know, you're you're supposed to return the pouch and those things cost money. But there were some people that were fed up with waiting. That's how bad it got. It, I'm telling you, Alex, when we were leaving, there was may, there may be two ways out of the theater, maybe even one, because we were in a stairwell. This was at Foxwoods. Yeah, Fox, it was Foxwoods, not Mohegan. It was Foxwoods. And we were going down the stairs, but not really going down the stairs. We were stuck in a stairwell with, oh, I mean, so many people, yeah. maybe two people were wearing masks, and which isn't really an issue. Like, I, I wasn't really, like, that's not a fear exactly. But you have that thought, like, this may be the first time I was in a huge crowd since the pandemic started where it was so compact and the ceiling was low and it's just stairs and just like a crush of people because it takes so long for them to just take the phone out of the thing and no one there was no organized system so i agree with you on that if you are going to do this make it more organized and quicker and efficient i think 
the company that makes these pouches, which is probably making bank right now oh, on yeah. this because of all these comedy shows, they have the logo on the pouch. So that's because you have time to think as the show is starting because your phone is not there. I was looking at the pouch like, oh, this company is probably doing very well. <laughs> this is a really good idea because you really have nothing else to do but sit there and think because you're alone with your thoughts. So that's a little bit scary in itself. But then you get to watch the show and it's great. But yeah, I thought John Mulaney did a great job. That's awesome. They got to see that yeah, because he's he's terrific. He's fantastic. Had a great time. Now you are you doing okay? Really is the oh, question. Oh God. Uh, it's been a little rough for you to say the least this entire weekend. Yeah. So it began Friday night with the game that happened on that evening. What, what I game was, was that? What game would that be? <clears throat> you know what? I don't even really know anymore what game is what. So Red Sox Blue Jays. Let's just let's just get through this. It was twenty eight <laughs> to five was the final score. I I have never. I was sitting there like I have never seen anything like this in my life. In my life, and he, so I was out to dinner and I checked the score, 10 nothing at that point. And I thought, oh God, this is terrible. It got worse. It got so much worse. They doubled that score by almost tripled it by the end of that game. And you just watch it as like, this is not a real score. This is a, this is a football game that we're watching right now. This is, they just need another safety and they'll be fine. Yeah, like, how many times was, is Mac Jones going to put up 20 points for the Patriots this year? Seriously, I wonder, this would be an interesting thing. Will the Patriots score as many points in their first game as the Blue Jays did runs against the Red Sox in that game? Who knows? I mean, probably not, honestly. Yeah, who do, they, we'll let's say, who do the Patriots have week one? Who do the Patriots <laughs> yeah, have week one? Let's let's think about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, no, that game was awful. And then you 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 know, it kind of it ended, and you're like, you know, the rest of the series is gonna go this way, and it did. And they lost yesterday. They lost again today. And this is coming off of a series against the Yankees where two of those games they lost where the Yankees scored double digit runs. And so you go into the all-star break and you think, okay, they need this break. They'll, they'll take some time right. to rest. Some of them, couple of them in the all-star game. So that was a nice representation. So there's some excitement around that, but then you get back and they're just doing more of the same and almost it's worse. I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And it started with Chris sale. I know Zach, our producer was at the game where this all began. Thank you, Zach, for cursing this team. Oh, it's his Appreciate fault. It's it. his fault. Okay. It's totally Zach's fault, but it's also the fault of Sydney Sweeney. So do you, I mean, everyone knows Sydney Sweeney, but, but do you watch Euphoria at all? I do, so I've only seen a handful of episodes. I'm well aware of the show. I've maybe yes. watched three or four episodes. So this show got me through the winter. I love Euphoria. I, it is a fantastic show. So Sydney Sweeney of, of, Euphoria fame. She's Cassie on the show. Does a great job. Uh, a lot of people like her for many reasons, but she was, uh, she threw out the first pitch before the game on Friday. And then, and I think it was Barstool tweeted out like, Oh, Sydney Sweeney throwing out the first pitch. The Red Sox will never lose another game. And they might never win another game now because Sydney Sweeney cursed this team. And she <laughs> posted on her Instagram, like pictures of her at the game. And she said, they should have put me in and she's right. They should have put her in this game to pitch because it was an absolute disaster of a series. Like the, it's just a downer because you start with, a, of course, Zach, Zach's curse on this. And then the Chris Sale injury, which was like the nail in the coffin for the season. And you think, okay, it can only go up from here, but it didn't, it went down and you, you don't start climbing back up till you reach rock bottom. And they, I don't know if they found rock bottom yet. And it was terrible, but we will, we will get into more of what happened with the Red Sox today on in the terms of David Ortiz and his uh, hall of fame induction as the Red Sox were losing yet another game. He gave a great <laughs> speech. We will get into more of that, but we can transition if you'd like to some NFL um, happenings because that was a great weekend. Um, so big news in the NFL, Kyler Murray 
agrees to a five-year, $230.5 million deal that makes him the second highest paid player in the NFL in terms of average annual value. His total contract amount is the third highest in the NFL, while his $160 million guaranteed is the second most in the in NFL history. So what do we make of this, Alex? Yeah, I think the, the, the Cardinals were in a position when Cliff Kingsbury gets his extension in the offseason and their general manager, Steve Kime, got his extension this offseason. It put them in, in a spot where I feel like we, we should have seen this coming. Now, I will admit, I felt like with the way the social media uh, scrubbing was going back in February from Kyler Murray, removing all of that, the memo that his agent had put out there, I felt like perhaps this thing was going to drag on a bit longer. But I think this organization is looking at the other options, of course, at quarterback. And what are those other options to where this is how the quarterback market typically goes? Nobody thinks Kyler Murray is the second best quarterback in the league, but he was kind of the, the guy that maybe not even next man up. He jumped the line a little bit. He still has two years left on his rookie contract. And there's getting guys that have been given these contracts before the rookie deals are up. That's not unusual. But usually if you're getting a, a, heading into your third, now fourth season, Usually that means you have made a deep playoff run. You've been to a Super Bowl like Patrick Mahomes or others. Uh, and yet here we are and Kyler Murray's already getting a deal. So I, I don't think it changes too much for the Cardinals chances though, to win a championship anytime soon. I don't believe he's that level of quarterback, but I understand why he got the deal. Speaking of chances there, they're over under on their win total this season, eight and a half games. They are uh, 14 plus 1400 to win the NFC plus 300 to win the NFC West. Do you think they're going to go over or under on that win total? Does this, this doesn't change that that much? No, it doesn't. I mean, I still look at DeAndre Hopkins being out for six weeks. We know he's on the, the, the suspension list there for the, uh, the substances. And so he's going to be out for six, six weeks. Their schedule's not easy uh, right away to open up the season. And so I, I certainly don't like them in the, in the NFC West picture to win it at three to one. I'll take, even though they're the favorites, I'll still take the Rams at plus 125, plus 130, depending on what you were able to get that number at. As far as the win total goes, I, I do think with Hopkins coming back at some point, they can be right on that, that nine win mark or so for this season. So I would stay away from the over under, but if, if you're asking for a lean, I lean over at eight and a half. I just don't believe uh, in Cliff Kingsbury uh, when we see the second half of the season, the last couple of years for this football team, that even goes back uh, to his Texas tech days for whatever reason, as the season goes on, his teams tend to really struggle. And now you're going to potentially start slow out of the gate uh, without DeAndre Hopkins. I understand they got Hollywood Brown, uh, there from the Baltimore Ravens, who they, they absolutely need now. And I'm sure that was part of the reasoning for the trade with Baltimore to begin with. Oh, for sure. And there's such good value on the Rams right now. That is a great pick right there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes also commented on this uh, signing and, and this contract. He said something to the effect of like, he, the money is not as important to him. He said, you just keep playing. Money is one thing. But when you get those Super Bowl rings at the end of your career, I think that's going to be the thing that you look back on. I think I've made enough money on the football field and off of it as well that it won't matter at the end of the day. At that, I mean, I guess at that point in your career, yeah, I guess money isn't as, but is, is money ever not that important? Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't, yeah. does it dictate your value? Like I, 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 I see his point, but again, you try to get as much money as, I don't know. What, what did you think of his comments here? Yeah, I mean, look, it sounds great. And obviously when you sign a 10 year deal, that's worth nearly a half a billion dollars and you do couple your endorsements, he's obviously already taken care of the rest of his career, but we know what's going to happen. I feel like in a couple of years, the chiefs are going to have to go ahead and restructure that contract. They, they signed a 10 year deal. I don't know if anybody actually thought he was going to play out the full 10 years 
of that contract, right? We just know at some point, very soon, Patrick Mahomes is going to be like the seventh or eighth highest paid quarterback in football. He can say those comments, and I believe that that's truly how he feels. But if I'm Patrick Mahomes' agent, and heck, even if I'm if I'm the Chiefs organization, they have to know that we're a couple years away from having to kind of rip this deal up or restructure it uh, to add some new, new money. That's what the Patriots did with Tom Brady. There's ways you can finagle the dollars, of course, to make it fit. That was the beauty of the 10-year contract, though, for Kansas City is they have this runway. But the way it's also structured is there's rolling guarantees already two years out. So, for example – He's already got his contract guaranteed for two more years out. Every year it adds another two years out guaranteed in, in terms of this 10-year deal. So I, I don't think uh, we're going to be sitting here and talking about Patrick Mahomes being, you know, the 12th highest paid quarterback in football or anything like that. He'll, he'll get a new deal before it ever reaches that. Yeah. Do you think his values changed at all? Like he got married. He has, uh, he has one <laughs> child now, I believe. One and another one, on the way, yeah. Another on the way, that's what it was. So maybe his values have changed now. I don't, I mean, his wife is who she is. That's that's fine. Um, I know probably there are a ton of fans of hers around your parts. Um, she is, uh, she's something else, but she's really annoying, basically. She's super, super annoying. And she, uh, all the pictures of her bachelorette party, it's like, okay, we know that you sprayed champagne on all the fans in the freezing cold. That is something that you did. And that's annoying. But I, I wonder if now he has a little different perspective on life and maybe he sees that money isn't everything when it comes to a contract or your career and Super Bowl rings in the end, when you look back on your career, what is in, in a Hall of Fame or in a glass case in wherever your rings are displayed your money your contract is not going to be in there you're, that's not what you're going to be remembered for you're going to be remembered for the Super Bowls and the games you won and all of that so maybe that's the perspective he's thinking about so he sees these contracts and he's like well I don't agree with that because I'm looking I just want to win like he just he just wants to be on a team that is going to win so I mean would he be getting the same deal as Kyler Murray ever yeah, I mean, I think we're going to about to find out, too, with who, who's next in line. I think that's the interesting part now for Kyler Murray's deal, and what it means for Lamar, what it means for Justin Herbert, uh, for example, what it means for Joe Burrow. Because we saw Deshaun Watson, uh, despite everything that's going on, somehow still get a fully guaranteed contract, which is absolutely insane that the Cleveland Browns were willing to do it. That's how desperate that they are. And yet, if you're Lamar Jackson, you see 160 guaranteed to Kyler. So if you're Lamar Jackson, how close can you get to that 230, which is what's guaranteed in the Sean Watson deal? That's, to me, going to be really interesting. And if I'm Baltimore, am I willing to guarantee $230 million to Lamar Jackson? Probably not, because the sad reality is, despite everything going on with the Sean Watson, if I'm Baltimore, I, I'm still concerned about injury and longevity with Lamar Jackson fully guaranteeing a contract. And so I don't, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to get a ton more than the 160 guaranteed that Kyler got. Yeah, my whole thing with Deshaun Watson is if you're Baker Mayfield, how are you feeling seeing that? Right. Deshaun Watson, you're like, wait, I am really not valued if this guy, they think he's better than me. But that's a whole separate discussion. We are going to get in to so much more jam-packed show tonight. What do Tom Brady and J-Lo not have in common? So they have a lot in common, quite frankly. But what is the, the stat that connects the two? And we'll always bind the two together. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, where will he end up next year? What does the future look like for Jimmy Garoppolo and his bouncing around teams from Patriots to San Francisco to where will he go next? All of that and more coming up next right here on Back to the Future.
Hey, it's Joe Ostrowski from BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, 9 to noon Eastern. Download the free Odyssey app and search BetQL to beat the books. The BetQL Network. Start your day with a daily tip featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Bet. Presented by BetMGM. Chelsea, I see you focusing rather intently right now. Are you actually focused on the show or not? No, I'm typing up notes for my best bet. Relax. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I won't relax. See, this is why I need to have Danny Ruya on the show. Immediately, you come after me with these pointed comments and then... No, you thought that on yourself. You were trying to accuse me of not paying attention when, in fact, I was very much dialed in and trying to make this show better. What have you done for this show, Jenk? I'm trying to be your guy friend here, and all I keep getting... I don't want guy friends. That's what I said. You need my friendship and wisdom on this show. All the things I've experienced, things I can pass down to you that can benefit you later on in life, and you'll look back and you'll say, you know what? Jinx was right. The Daily Tip, morning 6 to 9 Eastern from the BetQL Network. Your home for wagertainment. The sports betting world never sleeps, so wrap up your day with BetMGM Tonight, featuring Ryan Horvat, Quentin Mayo, and Trista Crick, 7 to 11 Eastern, from the BetQL Network. Ryan's got like six TVs in his Ryan's spot. old setup used to be really good. His new setup is a little, it's kind of mid. Is it? Yeah, now that he's not here, I'm going to be honest about it. Yeah. It's kind of mid, man. Is it? I don't know. I've never seen it, not going to lie to you. I think he has, <laughs> he has two TVs. He said four. Wall. You got to take it with you, the grain. You, you got you to cut through some of the stuff because he, he starts talking a little faster than his brain can actually confirm or deny. But he had four TVs in Wisconsin, a four TV setup on the wall. Then he said when he got here, wasn't that much space. I only have space for two TVs. Mm-hmm. Now, he probably told you he has four TVs. Yeah. Brian has well, two TVs on men. that wall. You know how these men be. <laughs> yeah, you man. know? You got to lie about the size they of the setup. They double bit. the size of the setup. Yeah, come on. These I would, just come to me. I would love to argue that, but <laughs> we've all been there. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern, from the BetQL Network. America's home for wagertainment. Sports bettors, get locked into You Better You Bet with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on the bet. During my college years, one summer I entered at like a local television news station, and the types of calls that you would have to feel like always complaining, often about why the weather forecast was incorrect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like I interned at the fan, and callers, like diehard callers, like no lives, would call the newsroom. Jerome from Manhattan is like a legendary FAN caller, would call, the, I would pick up and he'd like scream at me about the Yankees. Definitely. Then, like, the weather. Also, they were called to, like, give us, like, tips on things. Be like, yeah, there's, like, a there's a fence out of place over on, like, Route 8. Thank you. This bullet's lead is it. going at it as hard as they can. Intern and caller on the fan. Weather forecast was incorrect. You better you bet. 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern from the BetQL Network. Your home for wagertainment. Let's get back to more Back to the Futures with Lucy Burge and Brandon Sprague, only on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to Back to the Futures here on Odyssey and the BetQL Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and watch us right here on Twitch every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Lucy Burge here with Alex Gold alongside, and we are going to get to some more NFL stuff right now. Jimmy G, where might he go next season? 
what could his team be next season? And what could the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez wedding of the century mean for <laughs> Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this season? Let's start right there with Brady and JLo. There is a very interesting stat that Hard Rock Sportsbook put out this week. They tweeted this out. Every year that Jennifer Lopez has gotten married, Tom Brady has won a championship. I never, all, all through the years, people have made jokes about J-Lo having more rings than Brady because she's been engaged and married so many times. But there is more to this connection. This is the absolutely wild stat that every year, not just the Super Bowl, but every year, he has won a championship. So her first marriage. We'll we'll go through the timeline here, Alex. Because yeah, please a lot break this go. down for me. Do you have a chart we can go through? I feel like there's there's a lot of you know strings that need to be pulled across the map to the other map to figure this whole thing out. I mean, it's true because you need like a tree of all the the <laughs> things because of the marriages, engagements, boyfriends, the whole thing. Which I'm not knocking J Lo for this. I, she is gorgeous. Um, I I do love J Lo. She's actually fun fact. She's my favorite actress. So okay. made in Manhattan, wedding planner, all the the rom com she's in, <laughs> even Selena, great movies. She's, so J Lo, my favorite actress. So I do love J Lo, my queen. So her first marriage was to a music producer. In February 1997, that same year, that same college football season, Brady and Michigan were co-national champions with Nebraska that year. And then her second marriage, September 2001, she married choreographer and dancer Chris Judd. This, this wedding I remember more than the first one. But this same NFL season, of course, Brady replaced Drew Bledsoe and in week two of that season, and then they won the Super Bowl, the Patriots did, that season and Brady won his first Super Bowl MVP. June 2004, JLo marries Mark Anthony. She did get divorced in between these two, of course. Mark Anthony, of course, well, she has twins with him. Uh, four months before they got married, Brady and the Patriots won their second Super Bowl in three seasons with the win over the Panthers. Brady also won his second Super Bowl MVP. Then JLo and Mark Anthony got divorced in 2011. And then she was dating Ben Affleck before that. They were engaged before that with the pink ring that was pretty famous at the time. I did get a replica of it at Claire's at the Mall. Very, very popular ring. You went, and to, it Claire's? You went to Claire's to get a I replica? I went to Claire's. I did. I didn't go to Jared's. I went to Claire's to yeah, get a replica yeah. of that. Yeah, I was like, let's get all the pink diamonds. Pink diamonds were huge at the time after that. So then that, that happened. So they were together. And then Mark Anthony. And then she was engaged, of course, to A-Rod which was the the relationship I thought was going to last quite honestly. Like that, that could have, they were both, I will say I love JLo, but she's just pretty egocentric. I mean, you kind of have to be to be JLo, but the A-Rod engagement did not last. And now she is married to Ben Affleck. So you look at this and you look at where Tom Brady is heading into this season, the Buccaneers odds to win the Super Bowl plus 700. And I will tell you, Alex, I placed a bet on that after I saw the stat. <laughs> You see this? Look, the, the trend is on your side, right? You know, we can look, yeah. we try to find trends all the time, especially when it comes to futures market and what can you actually take away. This is one of the more unique trends I think we'll ever see uh, tied in to a Super Bowl champion. Look, the, I will say this, the, the Bucks in that division at, at 7-1 to win the Super Bowl, they're going like, to likely win that division. I think they're going to be the number one seed out of the, the NFC, as a matter of fact. And so, of course, that gives you an easier path, theoretically, to get to a Super Bowl. And then with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, anybody will, will take your chances there. The Bucs are minus 290 to win the NFC South. Uh, this this trend, though, my question is, are you telling me Tom Brady's only winning one more ring? Is that what you're saying? This is it? Well, 
here's the thing. So this is what I look at the bigger picture because Brady has this Fox deal that only the 10 year deal that only goes into effect once he retires. So let's say that this trend holds true this season and Brady wins the Super Bowl. I think he's done. I think he retires if he wins the Super Bowl. If he does not win the Super Bowl and continues playing, then the trend is just inactive. So then it would not, it would just be the trend over. Like J-Lo okay, no, then, no divorce, no divorce or anything. Right. You're not predicting a you're not predicting a J-Lo divorce in a year. No, I no. So here's the thing. I think it really perfect that her final marriage, which I think this is, okay. coincides with possibly Brady's last season, his last Super Bowl win. I think that would work out perfectly. So I I do see Ben Affleck and J-Lo lasting forever. This is a beautiful marriage. And I think it's actually perfect because she is married now to Ben Affleck, noted Boston fan, noted guy from, from Massachusetts. So I think that's kind of perfect too. If Ben Affleck is the one to put the final, final win on this trend for J-Lo and the Patriots, and it Hold would on. be because Hold of Ben Affleck. Look, I, I don't think you're crazy on the Bucks seven to one by any means. Not that's not my that's not my issue. The fact though, let's we think this is this is I'm more focusing in on that. You think this is it for J Lo that she's this is gonna be who she spends the rest of her life with and Ben Affleck this time this time it's actually gonna work. I'd rather bet on the seven to one Bucks than it is J Lo to stay married to Ben Affleck. You can bet on both. Producer Evan's saying, is Lucy okay? Last forever. Well, it's been a weekend. So yeah, no, but here's the yeah. thing. They were, so they were dating back in the early 2000s and they were very much in love. They were engaged, all of that. And it's the, the old saying, if you love something, let it go. And if it comes back to you, then it's forever. They let each other go. Ben Affleck, they both did a lot of things in between. They both had children. They both remarried other people, Mark Anthony for J-Lo, and then Ben Affleck married Jennifer Garner, and they had three kids. And then J-Lo had twins with Mark Anthony. So then they found each other again, and I think this is just locked and loaded to stay forever. <laughs> this is definitely a lasting. They got married in Vegas, which, of course, is the, that's oh, the, well, the true well, then. I mean. sign of everlasting love i mean ben ben benifer is i i do believe they were the ones that started mushing names together for celebrities like that was the first i'm trying to think angelina jolie and brad pitt might have uh brangelina that's what it, it might have been brangelina yeah, yeah. or benifer that started it but it was one yeah. of those so i think this is a really solid marriage mm. and i think it, it's also also they only posted a couple pictures which kind of shows me they're not flaunting it which means they're very secure in their love so i think it's it's going to be lasting forever and, and we'll see them at red sox games i and mean Patriots i'm a little ske and, i'm skeptical but like you're right they're not flaunting it but what that this is the fourth marriage is that what you said the fourth marriage for yes and i believe okay. it's ben affleck's second I would hope you're not flaunting it after the fourth one. That's just me personally. I would. Well, yeah, I, I think true. you just keep it low key uh, at this point in time. No, but look, you mentioned getting married in Vegas. Uh, how about a proposal in your backyard at Fenway? How on earth? So this, there's a proposal. My understanding during the game you referenced to start the show tonight, there was a proposal in the 28 to five game or whatever it was. Someone chose that game. I know they already had a plan, but ooh, that's that's not a good sign. I don't think that's a good sign for that future marriage whatsoever. I cannot imagine a worse proposal. I mean, can you, first of all, the score, like, no, that at that point. Okay. So the understanding is that you, how much did you say? $350 to propose at, at, at Fenway at any ballpark. So you do have to pay for this and it has to be at a certain point in the game. 
So you get to the fifth inning and that's when you can do it. And you're like, Oh, I already paid for this. And they're, but they're losing at that point, like 20 to <laughs> the, I don't even know what at that point it's just yeah. climbing and climbing. So that's a rough, it's a rough look. Cause first of all, the score, second of all, ballpark proposal is not, I am not in favor of it. I have seen quite a few and I will say I've seen, I think, I think two, maybe just one, Proposals at Fenway where the woman said no, and oh, that is a yep. Oh, oh See, I don't get I, I don't get that. If you're gonna, I mean, I'm with you on anti-stadium proposals. I've I've been that way forever. I don't believe in it whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Do not propose to somebody at a stadium. But if you are gonna go that route, and in general, I mean, this is in, personally, if you're gonna propose to somebody, I would hope you know the person saying yes to begin with. Especially if you're going to do it at such a public place. I, that's that guy's own fault at this point, honestly. Like, I don't even feel bad for him. You got to know better. You can't be springing a surprise supros- proposal there. Maybe your, your surprise is happening that night, but you can't be stunning the girl that you're actually proposing to her. That's a no-no. That's a mess. Yeah, you have to play by the rule. Never ask a question you don't already know the answer that's to. Right. You should know that she's going to say yes, and if she's going to say no, don't do it, especially if it's on the Jumbotron. If it is going, if it is during a game with that score where nothing else interesting is really going on. So everybody in the stands, everybody on Twitter, when this is inevitably tweeted out, will see this. This is going to be the focal point of everything. I think this woman did say yes, which helps this guy a little bit, but I think maybe he had the mindset, okay, maybe it'll make the game better if now we're engaged, mm-hmm. but then your engagement story is, yeah, the Red Sox were losing 28 to five and he proposed and wasn't that great. No. Here is here is the only circumstances under which I would accept a ballpark proposal. The stadium is empty. It is a mm-hmm. time when the team is not playing. Nobody's there. Tour is not happening because it is nighttime. The stars are out. The lights are on. I'm picturing this at Fenway, by the way, or I mean Gillette Stadium, sure, of but course. at Fenway. So he's already out there. I am I, somehow a ruse to get me there. And then I already know what's going to happen. But the the whole ambiance. This is the only ballpark proposal that is acceptable. He is out on the mound, let's say. And I come through the dugout, like through the clubhouse, through the tunnel. I get to see all of it. That's part of it, too. I get a tour of the interior of the ballpark. That would be a nice little addition to this. Then I go out there and get proposed to. And then we just kind of hang out in the grass in the outfield. That would be nice. And look at the stars. See, that would be nice. So you want, you, only- want movie, you, you want a movie proposal or you want a proposal that would happen on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette yeah. where they spend who knows how much money to rent out Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium or wherever, whatever historical stadium, Wrigley, whatever it may be. That's what that's what you would be okay with. Okay. Yes. Anything that happened in Mr. Deeds or any kind <laughs> of fever pitch is stuff where you rent out a whole uh, like basketball court or a stadium or whatever. Only acceptable proposal. But speaking of proposals, because here is someone who I once wished would propose to me, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Of course. There's a, of course. a lot going on also with uh, Mr. James Garoppolo over here, where the 49ers have agreed to let him discuss options with other teams. Where do you think he could go next season? Because there are odds on this for the Browns plus tw- two plus 250. I sometimes think about me, Alex. Sometimes I have trouble reading numbers. New York Giants plus 375. Texans plus 400. 49ers plus 800. Seahawks plus 1,000. No team plus 1,000. Where do you yeah, see you know, him going? We, we know he's 
He's trying to recover from the injury. That's why they're able to actually shop him a little bit now because he was dealing with the injury there. I, I, there's a couple teams on there that don't make any sense to me. For example, I don't even want to put any money on the Cleveland Browns uh, to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because to me, I'm looking at that situation and maybe we'll find out this week uh, how many games Deshaun Watson is suspended, whether it's going to be six, eight, or a full year, looking more like six or eight games at this point. We know they trade Baker Mayfield away. I get the awkwardness that would have been there, but to me personally, I would have just held on to Baker Mayfield if I was going to go and turn around and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, at this point in time, I expect Cleveland to just stand with Jacoby Brissett and what? They signed Josh Rosen as another backup yes. uh, this week as well. And then the other team I don't want to consider, and I, we can just cross them off the list for this and narrow it down more, is the Seattle Seahawks. They're plus, uh, you said 10 to 1, plus 1,000 yes. at this point in time. They've got, uh, what, Drew Locke in the system there with Geno Smith. I, I think if I'm Seattle, and this is why I wouldn't have brought back Pete Carroll, I'm in complete rebuild tanking mode this season. You bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will win you a game or two more than Drew Locke or Geno Smith will. So I just wouldn't do it because I don't believe the Seahawks are in that in that position. And yeah, as our producer points out and, and the guys behind the scenes, like that is a team also in your own division. Do you really want to face Jimmy Garoppolo a couple times in the season? So to answer your question, I, I still think there is, is a chance there that the Houston Texans are in play. Uh, perhaps mm -hmm. I know they like Davis Mills, uh, but if you're thinking also to give them another option long-term, uh, I think that perhaps is a landing spot. Be so this, that's a really good one because the Seahawks though, we're in, there's a report that Pete Carroll is tempted to make a deal for Garoppolo, but again, in the division Seattle and, and then for the 49ers would want a lot in return. I would think because they're in the division. Also, would they trade Jimmy Garoppolo to a division rival? They've all, they love Garoppolo. Apparently they have respect for him. I would say sure. trading him to a division. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense. The probability implied for that is 9.1% for the Seahawks for the giants, 21.1% Browns, 28.6% Texans, 20% chance. So I don't, I mean, yeah. Would they trade him to an NFC West rival? I don't know. He is a little bit better than Geno Smith, a little bit better than Drew Locke, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. And if, if Pete Carroll's tempted, who knows what that means exactly? Of course, if they hadn't brought him back, would they be as tempted? Maybe right. not, but yes, yes. Exactly. So if, That's if the they're, thing. yeah, if they're looking at rebuilding, then yeah, no, I, I don't think Jimmy, I, I see this is, I think he would be good in a, a warmer climate because as we were talking during the break, the whole Kiaramia thing, he seems to kind of thrive in environments like that where he's in the mix and he can be partying and he can be out with, with people. So yeah, Miami. Let's say, but no, I, I think the poor Texans Tua, poor Tua. Yeah. You want to trade Jimmy, Jimmy G down there. I'll have another quarterback right over his shoulder. Once again, exactly. And he'll be in the same state as Tom Brady, his old friend. So that That's would be, right. that would be That's an right. interesting, interesting, uh, little uh, development there, but we are going to get into more baseball. Believe it or not, more things happened in baseball this weekend. David Ortiz inducted into the hall of fame. We have a nice little steroid era debate on that. Nick Castellanos going back and forth with a reporter. Good or bad? Bad question? Good question? There are, uh, are there any bad questions or bad ideas or bad anything like that? That is That was a, an interesting little exchange that they had in the clubhouse after the game with that. So we will get into all of that and more right here on Back to the Features.
The sports betting world never sleeps, so wrap up your day with BetMGM Tonight, featuring Ryan Horvat, Quentin Mayo, and Trista Crick, 7 to 11 Eastern, from the BetQL Network. Here's the thing that I never do. I never chase. I never chase when I'm down. What? It's something that I just, it's a hard and fast rule for me, Ryan Cody. And I said, he is a liar. He chases every night. Who are you kidding? I don't think he calls it chasing. He calls it having a plan. Having a plan. But his, I have a plan. It's called when I'm down, I double down, up. I, I need to get literally, back, back. Literally, Ryan goes. He's not lying. He, does, he, he, has he does a plan. have a plan. That's what he does. He just stays out till 2, 3, 4 in the morning, literally deep into the lab, chasing tennis tennis matches, women's tennis matches in, like, Kazakhstan. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern from the BetQL Network. America's home for wagertainment. It's BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. What's been your opinion of what's happened here the last, I don't know, 24 hours with the market, maybe 48 hours? Well, if we can rewind it, Joe, for a second, I think it's very important to explain how people who bet the draft professionally and bet it for a living, it's important to understand what they do. They take plus prices on all realistic outcomes. So I know several people that have Paulo Bancaro at like 10 to 1, and then they bought low on Jabari Smith at minus 140, minus 150. So no matter what happens, they're sort of free rolling on Bancaro going. If you bet the right player at the right price, it doesn't matter what the markets or the rumors say they have dressed. BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, presented by BetMGM. 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. I'm Listening Daily, brought to you by Genomind. Here's Brad Schultz of Cage the Elephant on the importance of talking about your feelings. What I found very helpful in this whole time, I'll, I'll call some of my friends that I know are up late at night because I am a night owl and having some of the most deep and intimate conversations that I've ever had with some of my friends, for me at least, when the anxiety builds up and that sort of thing is when you know you get almost embarrassed as if you don't think people are feeling this, that same kind of thing. Emotional pain is something that's, I think people are even more guarded about. It's hard to talk about things that are your innermost thoughts and the things that scare you the most. I'm Listening is brought to you by Genomind, the Genomind Mental Health Map, the new expert starting point for your mental health. Visit mentalhealthmap.com to learn more and order your Mental Health Map DNA test kit today. That's mentalhealthmap.com. Let's get back to more Back to the Futures with Lucy Burge and Brandon Sprague, only on the BetQL Network. We are back on Back to the Futures. Lucy Burge here with Alex Gold. And for better or worse, the second half of the baseball season is underway. It has been going a lot better for some than for others. The Red Sox, of course, are pretty much this point i wouldn't say they're i don't know if they're done i don't know they're, they're kind of done the yankees are still dominating but there are a couple interesting other storylines in baseball this weekend david ortiz was inducted into the baseball hall of fame today and nick castellanos had a fairly heated back and forth with a reporter you could say but starting with david ortiz enshrined into cooperstown today he gave a fantastic speech arguably, and I could get into some of the things that I noticed about this speech and what it means to Boston. But Alex, Ortiz is a player 
from the steroid era. He failed a drug test. He is now in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not. So what is your stance on letting steroid era players into the Hall of Fame? Should Ortiz be in? And those other legends, you would say, are not. Pete Rhodes included in that. Like, What do you think about this? Look, I haven't had the opportunity to, to make it up to Cooperstown. That's still a bucket list place for me. But I'll tell you this. Mm. One thing I do know about Cooperstown, it's supposed to be a, a historical spot for the history of baseball. And we all know that the steroid era existed. To try to pretend that it never did is absolutely ridiculous to me. I thought that for quite some time. And yes, David Ortiz is in. I'm sure Roger Clemens and others, and rightfully so, are very upset that you know he's the he's the guy that gets in and they haven't. And I, I still don't know if we'll ever see the, the other guys from the steroid era get in. But I absolutely think Big Poppy should be in, Clemens should be in, McGuire, Bond, Sosa, you name it. They really should all be in because it's part of the game. Now, if you want to... Uh, really nitpick and say they need to have a separate steroid wing. I'm actually, I'm fine with that. You know, that's still telling the history of the game, but they should be in the baseball hall of fame. So absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see this conversation come up once again. And I, I must, I'd be remiss to not at least bring up also congratulations long overdue to John Buck O'Neill from the Negro leagues baseball yes. museum should have been in a long, long time ago. Um, but his niece was there. I believe it was his niece introducing him along with Bob Kendrick from the, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Uh, should have been in, as I said, a long time ago, but really cool to see. Uh, and that was a big deal, obviously, for the museum and uh, for the Kansas City Monarchs. Oh, 1,000%. That should have absolutely happened a long time ago. Just a fantastic day for everyone inducted because when you think about it, like you were there forever. You were in the Baseball Hall of Fame and it, it really hits you when like today Ortiz in his speech was talking about when he first started, the first coaches he had telling him, I am I'm being hard on you because I know that you can have, you are the only guy here who can have a successful career in the major leagues. And now he's standing in front of the Hall of Fame logo and he's giving his hall of fame i mean it's just it's an incredible day but you also think he oh, oh first of all he did not mention manny ramirez in his speech this is one of the little things <laughs> i noticed in his speech very interesting he mentioned the traveling secretary that manny famously shoved to the ground but did not mention manny ramirez which is very i thought something interesting with that but manny steroid guy. I mean, maybe he just wanted nothing to do with that in his, his speech, but okay. Ortiz standing up there thinking, okay, he, he failed the drug test. Like he, he was part of the steroid era. And if you are Barry Bonds watching this or Roger Clemens watching this, you're thinking, wait, why am I not in there? Like, why am I, why is this not me? Why is this him and not me? Likeability factor, I think no is a question. big part of it, but thousand percent, right? I mean, the guys who are, are more likable, thousand percent are good. like Kurt Schilling. I mean, yeah. not yeah. all of yeah. it because yeah. he is a not like, yes, like there's the, the likability factor. I feel like plays a huge role in this. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. I mean, we know big poppy's a, not only a fan favorite, but all the media uh, relationships he's built up over the years that definitely is factored in. And I, I just don't know, uh, barring a, a huge shift uh, from the hall of fame and the, frankly, the way the voting is done. And honestly, it needs to be completely recon reconstructed. Uh, not even just talking about the, the steroid guys, but the entire baseball writers association, as far as I'm concerned and how they go about uh, voting, it needs to be completely looked at. Once again, this has been an ongoing issue because you're right. It's likability, but also it's relationship. Some reporter that's upset about how their interaction went in a clubhouse 15 years ago is holding a grudge still against a player. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane to me. Uh, so hopefully, 
uh, there'll be some restructuring with that. But I think we've been all talking about the need for that for the last 10 or 15 years. And, and I don't know if I'm necessarily all that hopeful uh, for some of these other guys to get in. But Cooperstown, if you're talking about uh, the Hall of Fames and, you know, Canton, of course, for Pro Football Hall of Fame and Springfield Mass for, for the Basketball Hall of Fame, I still think if you're asking me which ceremony I would want to go to, Maybe you want the one that Tom Brady gets into, of course, in Canton. I get that to be there for that day. Or, 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 you know, I understand. But to me, going to Cooperstown, the history there would be the coolest. And I would, I would, if you could only go to one, that's the one I would want to go to. Exactly. And so I have been to Cooperstown twice. And I will say that the Otisaga Resort Hotel is much better than the Cooperstown Inn. I have mad beef with the Cooperstown Inn. (laughs) Sorry, in at Cooperstown. Because they did not have TVs in the room in, I think it was 2003. No TVs. You had to share a TV in the like, living room area. That is absolute nonsense. Go now explore that we... the town a little bit. Just go explore well, yes. downtown Cooperstown. So that's what we did. But no TVs in the room was a problem. But went to the Hall of Fame game. The Red Sox were playing in it, of course, in 2005. So I saw David Ortiz hit a home run off the roof of somebody's house in Cooperstown. Nice. So nice. that was a really nice moment. And so for him to be enshrined and also going through the museum, it's almost like going to the Grand Canyon where you're kind of, you're breath, breathtaking. I don't know if that's the word exactly, but it is breathtaking to be in there and to see the actual artifacts. This is, I mean, they are artifacts. It is the museum that game worn everything and every historic moment in baseball history. It is really, it is kind of breathtaking and, and not overwhelming, but it's, it's just a really an experience that if you are a baseball fan, absolutely do it because it is so worth it and to now the next generation of of kids who are baseball fans going to the hall of fame and there's nothing about barry bonds he's his plaque is not there there's nothing about roger clements no plaque even shilling to an extent i mean that's that's debatable i don't really like shilling person as a person <laughs> super much but i think as a player he, he was a huge part in world series wins so that's a big part of baseball history and i think it should include everything it tell basically to tell the story of baseball like that is what the museum should be and without barry bonds without roger clements you are completely just covering up a whole pete rose too whole part of the history like a huge chunk of it that is very important so i absolutely think that all of them should be in the hall of fame i think if you if you qualify to be in the hall of fame likable or not steroids or not you should betting on baseball is a whole different thing, I think maybe. But Pete Rose, also he has the likability factor not on his side so much either. So Correct. there's a lot. There's a lot going against Pete Rose, but I think you should be in there if you contributed to the history of baseball and you meet the qualifications. I I absolutely think you should be in, and I agree with you that the process should be changed because I have seen over the years the writers that are friends with David Ortiz who like firsthand right in front of me, seeing them, their relationship with David Ortiz. And yes, I can think of one or two that did not get along with David Ortiz. Maybe, but may, I mean, maybe even that, I don't know. He was, he's very, very well liked in Boston. And that is a big reason why he's in. I mean, I, I love him. So absolutely. I would have voted for him. That's where the bias would come, but I would look at his (laughs) qualifications. Like I'm not letting, you know, like Trot Nixon in the hall of fame. But yeah, no, I, I absolutely think it was a, just a, a beautiful day for David Ortiz to be. And to, to think about his role in, in the bringing the city together after the marathon bombing too in 2013, you think back at that and how entrenched he is in Boston. It was just a big moment for the city, for him, for the team, for everything as the Red Sox were absolutely blowing another game. So that was an issue. But then talk about blowups, Nick Castellanos. 
of of uh man of faith fame every time someone's giving an apology he hits a home run yeah, that's right. so just we need more apologies just apologize for nothing and he'll hit a home run if you're a fan of him but he had a little bit of a back and forth with a reporter in the in the clubhouse after uh a game where he got booed and the reporter asked him did you hear the boos and he said no my hearing is gone my hearing is bad and then they went back and forth because he said it's a stupid question so the question was did you hear the boos i mean is this, is this a stupid question, Alex? Not only it's a stupid question. Now, I, I took issue with the reporter kind of pressing it even more. I, I don't have an issue with the question. My thing is once Castellanos said, you know, I, I, I can't hear, right, or I'm hard, you know, I, I think that would have been the clue. Maybe you do one more follow-up and then you move on. It could have been handled uh, better on, on both ends here, but I, I don't have an issue with the question. Uh, but then the reporter, I did think, tried to make it a little bit more about him. I'll say this, Castellanos uh, clearly feeling the pressure. We all know the contract he signed in the offseason, and, and look how he's performing. Uh, not up to, to standards by any means whatsoever. But I, I kind of chuckle at the whole thing because you, you got the PR guy, the poor PR guy for the Phillies in the in the clubhouse uh, trying to say, all right, that's enough. I think we got our, our questions answered. He's trying to, to, to move the two aside. I think it's one of those where uh, people will move on, and it really won't be all that big of a deal here in about 24 hours or so. Exactly. It's kind of like the Jock Peterson fantasy football thing. You just, oh, you, I, you just that, Tommy, oh, oh, I, I mean, that, that was a fantastic story, but things that happen that you just blow over. But this, I, it kind of calls into the whole question of should reporters and players go back at each other? What is the decorum after the game when you are interviewing a player on both sides? Honestly, do players have the responsibility to say professional reporters have the responsibility to say professional? I am all for this. I am all for back and forths like this where the, the player can go back and question the reporter's question. The, the reporter can defend the question. Don't be rude or déclassé about it. Don't call each other names necessarily, which I don't think happened here, but he said yeah, a stupid no, question. Yeah. yeah, stupid question, which it was a stupid question. The question should have been framed as what did you think about the sure. something like that? Like how, how did you I think feel about you're right. the booze? Now, like you're right. That's probably how it should be framed, but I would also and look, Cassianos is frustrated, so that's why he did it this way. But if I'm Cassianos, I know what he's getting at, right? I, I know yeah. what the reporter's getting at. Like he did you hear the booze? He's not actually asking, yeah, I heard them. It's like, yeah, you know, that's frustrating to hear. Like that that's what he was at. So yes, it could have been asked better, but if Castellanos wasn't kind of being a, a jerk about it at the same time we all know what the real real answer kind of everybody was seeking there. Exactly. I mean, the reporter did tee him up for that because obviously he heard the booze. So he had to make a little joke <laughs> and then like move along. But if he was playing better, he he wouldn't be so on edge, but he also probably wouldn't have gotten booed. So he could, he could avoid the entire situation True. just by playing better. Real quick as we wrap up, a team at the trade deadline, which is coming up August 2nd for MLB trade deadline, a team that you think should make some major moves at the deadline. Yeah, I think it's obviously the New York Mets at this point in time. We know they have the money to get it done, and I'm talking about a guy in Juan Soto, for example, in particular. Do they have the prospects to actually get it done? As we're on the air tonight, I did see a report come out that the Cardinals, rival executives believe the Cardinals actually have the young prospects to make a trade, but I'll, I'll go with the Mets to be very active. Well, I like that. I think the Red Sox should buy, sell, and burn it all down. That's <laughs> a build it back up. That's what I think for all of us here from Back to the Futures. Alex, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm Lucy Burge. He's Alex Gold. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Hey, it's Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL Daily, 9 to noon Eastern, presented by BetMGM. Download the free Odyssey app and search BetQL to beat the books. The BetQL Network.